Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Walt, and typically speaking, I'm joined by my co-host, Chase, However, due to uh, Chase being out in the woods, I am flying solo tonight. We're going to have a guest named Nick Chandler. He's going to come on, and what we're going to do is we're going to do a little collaboration here, and we're going to break down both of our most recent hunts. Nick got it done on a really nice deer down in north-central Florida. Maybe you'd consider it, you know, South Central, I'll let him decide that in the episode. And I killed a nice buck in early November here on the Panhandle. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to kind of co-interview each other. We're going to discuss what happened between those, uh, have a nice dialogue on what went into those hunts, and then next time Chase will join us back. But this is going to be a really fun time. But before we get to that, I do want to thank the people who helped make that po- this podcast possible. First and foremost, that's our Patreon subscribers. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a crowdfunding source that we use to offset the operating costs of this podcast, to travel across the country, create content, meet up with people. And if you want to join the podcast, win a chance to, to or be entered in a chance to win some really awesome gear, be a part of a, a Marco Polo group where we all collaborate and talk to each other. That is the place to do it. So I want to say thanks first to Brock Johnson and Dane Ralph. Both of you guys joined here recently, and we just want to say thank you for helping support the podcast. You guys have been entered into a giveaway where we are giving away an Alps Outdoor backpack to 170 uh, GSM Merino base layers from Scree gear and a set of Titan straps to secure all your gear, uh, just as our way of saying thanks. So if you're already in, if you're already a Patreon member, you're entered in that giveaway and all the other giveaways that we do. If you're not and you want to support the show and win some free gear, maybe get a hat, then go to patreon.com forward slash chasing tales outdoors. The link is also in the show notes. We'd love to have you. Also, I want to give some love to Tethered. They have been the 
title sponsor of this podcast all year long and we've been using their gear for years now and we've we've done it with you know just we enjoy the heck out of, of working with them hunting with them across the country their the, their product makes us better hunters so thanks to tethered for putting this show on the air and lastly you've heard us talk a lot about scree if you want to save money on your order of scree gear you're interested you heard about it on the show use the promo code chasing tales t-a-l-e-s either all caps or all lowercase and you can save a little bit of money on your next order with that we're going to keep this short and sweet to the point introducing nick all right ladies and gentlemen we have returned guest nick chandler you know him probably as heart of florida outdoors dude uh, you've been running around all over town today just so you could be on the podcast getting stuff, and, and we, we ultimately resorted to just using the phone because, for some reason, your audio quality is next-level good on, on, on just your cell phone. So appreciate you, appreciate all the effort. Oh, man, appreciate you ha- for having me on. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, I, anytime I can get to talk to a, na- a native Floridian about Florida hunting, uh, it's always a good thing because – Florida is just a different animal. Guys, you've heard us talk about this before. Um, it, it just, the hunting apparatus, the quota system, uh, which is what you were on to talk about the last time, uh, it just, it's it's a different animal. It's a little frustrating. I think we get more questions from people out of the state of Florida than we get anywhere else in the country. Uh, and actually, I'll just go ahead and say we flat out do. I get pictures from people, you know, screenshots, and I think I'm thinking about putting in here, and I'm thinking about going and doing this. What do you think? I can't get on deer. Well, we're about to talk about two people in different parts of the state hunting different parts of, like, different types of of, uh, environments and situations, and it played out quite well for both of us. I'm I'm not upset with my deer, are you? Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. It was one of those seasons where it just seems like everything was against you. Sure. And for it to come out, to come out, you know, to come out empty handed would have been one thing, but for anything, I mean, here in Florida, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out. It's funny to me because if, when we sat, so the first time you were on the podcast, this is actually, dude, this is actually your third time on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cause, cause so. we had the saddle event where we recorded one with you, Craig, and Adam, and Chase, and then we yeah, had you on yeah. to talk about the quota system, and mm-hmm. and now here we are uh, bringing it full circle. How about that, dude? That, that's a hat trick. Man, I'm telling you, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm blessed. We're, tell you. we're gonna give you, we're gonna bestow the the contributor title to. Uh, <laughs> to... <laughs> there you go. Hey. Our Florida today, we're, we're we're cutting to Nick Chandler down in Florida. He's our Florida contributor. Uh, Nick, how's the weather down there? <laughs> there you go uh, hey, i'm more than happy to come on man i appreciate yeah. it no for sure for sure it's always a joy but i, I think going back to what I, I was trying to to lead into is if you had told me back in oh heck it had to be like july june july when we did that saddle event whatever that was that mm-hmm. i would have shot a buck and a doe well a buck in general before you and chase i would have called you nuts but somehow I managed to have like the opposite season from you guys. And I think, I think that was just the deer gods messing with me. Yes. Well, no, it could have been a lot of, you know, a lot of tactic involved, man. I'm sure it was. <laughs> well, I know it was the deer gods messing with me. I could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's, that's, maybe that's what I should have said is the deer gods are messing with you and chase by letting somebody like me get a deer before you guys. <laughs> oh no, man. No, you put a lot of effort into it, man. You gotta yeah. give yourself some credit there. 
Well, and, and and honestly, that is that is the truth. I think sometimes sometimes there's a lot. Let's be honest. A lot of time there's a lot of luck involved. But you know, oh yeah, Thomas Thomas Jefferson once said, "I'm a great believer in luck." And the, and the, I find that the harder that I work, the more of it I have. So it's just one of those things where you put time in the woods, you, you spend time there, and and you reap the benefit. And I, I know that the place that you're that you shot your deer, you have a lot of history hunting that piece of property. We're not going to name it, but. Uh, how, how long have you been hunting this place? Uh, since I was really, really young, I really don't know the exact age, but, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12, something like that, you know, so that's, uh, pushing 20 years, over 15 years on and off. But, uh, yeah, here the past six or seven years, I've hunted it steady every, every single year, just about every single hunt. So that's 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 pretty that's that's key to really getting to know an area oh yeah. i know it's hard to do with the with the uh quota system to get which is one of the things we talked about before about ways to try to get in there more the more you can get in there the more you learn the place the more you can catch on to the deer patterns and deer movements throughout these hunts get you in better situations for sure absolutely and i think before we hit record i think you actually said you know there wasn't a whole lot of tactic that went into it i i would argue there probably was because you've got, you know, let's just call it what it is, a lifetime worth of experience with this property. So mm-hmm. you didn't just pick a spot on the map. You right. had to know that this place was good. What kind of what kind of led to you knowing what, what what did that that growth look like for you, um, at, knowing that that was a good spot? Just basically years and years of of hunting there, learning bedding areas, doe bedding areas where the bucks travel through during the rut, which times a year when this start, when this type of sign starts showing up and, and, and said, said area, you know, where to be set up to catch them cruising through and just stuff like that. And talking to people who, you know, getting to know more and more people out there and, and kind of communicate with people that hunt that general area, you know, Hey, how many deer did you see? What'd you see? What was he doing? You know, just to kind of get a better idea on, on what exactly is going on at that time. That really helps too. getting to know a lot of people around there. You get a lot of Intel and that's what I do a lot of time when I'm sitting in the tree, I'm contacting anybody and everybody that I know that's out there just to try to help, not just help me, but help everybody. Hey, you know, this is what I seen, you know, what'd you see? You know, it really, it really makes a big difference just to get a, you know, it's basically more than just one set of eyes. You're pretty much covering the whole area with everybody that's around and that can help you just kind of jump around, you know, so-and-so seeing this going here. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. That that makes a big difference there. Um, I don't know if I got off topic. I no, I think, I think you hit it great. So let's talk about it, kind of break this down a little bit. What was the habitat itself? Is it pine flats? Is it swamps? Kind of break down uh, what this general area uh, kind of lays out and why why you think uh, these areas were bedding, bedding areas specifically. Outside okay. of the fact that there were probably deer beds there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's just been, it's always been an area where does of all, you know, does are, you know, always bedded in these particular areas. It's more open. Like, uh, I'm trying to guess, it's like more or less like flag pond type areas. There's, there's a little bit of standing water here and there. It's uh, considered lake beds on the map. <laughs> got to be careful giving too much information oh yeah 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 be, be vague um, with it <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's just more or less open areas that's tall enough for the deer to move through okay you know but you can kind of get to a certain elevation that you can see down in a lot of the stuff and catch them through little openings here and there a lot of marshy type stuff 
with Okamics kind of intertwining in between little fingers coming in and out and um, just a, just a lot of years of, of watching where you normally see, you know, uh, movement where deer normally are, are out to cross or, or where they're, you know, you always jump them up, you know, uh, bedded down or where you normally see them go out there and bed down or get up from being, you know, a lot of times they'll bed down in a lot of these open, more open areas at night. And uh, as the sun comes up, they'll just kind of bloop, bloop, you know, just stand right. up and kind of go off into like a day bedding area where they're safer, um, which can change their movements change depending on who's hunting where and which way the wind's blowing. They might get smell somebody and get up before daylight. They might, you know, smell somebody and, and stay put where they're not seen out there in the taller stuff, you know, that a lot of people would expect to see a full deer's body walking through there. No, you might see the top of a, of a ear or horns. That's about it. I mean, it's a lot <laughs> taller. So they're able to just kind of meander around out there and, and, and they know the spots too. So, you know, it's just a matter of, like you said, a lot of luck goes into it, but if you know those particular areas, you sit around and be persistent enough, it's bound to happen. That's yeah. And, and I think luck, I think I want to, be careful how we define luck because I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm just saying you need to, uh, you know, put in a bunch of time in the woods and eventually it'll happen. The luck that you experienced happened to be the fact that the deer chose to be in that spot. And it sounds like you've identified an area that is kind of like a transitionary bedding area, kind of like a staging area for them in the evenings, which is interesting because I kind of feel like that's similar to what I had here in Florida. I mean, uh, if you if you look at the video that you, that's on YouTube, you can see that I'm in this like open swamp bottom, but I but I don't think I'm actually in bedding. I'm on this right. ridge that has dense enough cover that these deer are out there lingering. They're hanging out. It's a place where they can you know have that good dense cover uh, to, to feel like they're, they're hiding in, but they can also see a good way. And it sounds like where you're at, it's not so much the site, but I bet you there's pretty predictable wind out there in that grass. Yeah. For the most part, there is very predictable. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have near as much of, uh, of, uh, uh, trees and stuff like that. That's going to deteriorate the wind to go one direction or other swirl here, swirl there. It's pretty much like you said, it's like a steady wind. If the wind's kicking one way, it's going to stay that way. So it's a little bit easier to kind of play the wind in that situation for the most part. It's particularly better in the mornings. I usually don't see a whole lot going on in the evenings, but most of the time uh, this particular spot's kind of a little bit of a valley where it kind of dips down. There's a little bit of a ridge and uh, the bucks will usually cruise that ridge in the morning. Now I know it's not much of a ridge here, but uh, yeah, I consider yeah. a ridge in our part of town. Um, but I almost think the thermals might have a play a role in that, where maybe it's pulling, you know, down in the bedding where the does and stuff normally would bed up. It's pulling that up. The bucks kind of cruise that ridge. Sure, I have no idea. Might just be where they particularly cruise through to catch on a doe's trail. I don't know, but it uh, all kind of lines up with that whole thermal situation yeah and i think i think this area um probably plays out pretty similarly where i was hunting because like a dummy so i've kind of i've kind of had this this growth period that i've talked about a lot on the show which is i didn't use trail cameras because they were expensive and i didn't want to put money into those and then Mm -hmm. i realized uh, that was really dumb Uh, that's up there with (laughs) that's up there with uh choosing to be bow only in this state which is I, i will (laughs) <laughs> I will <laughs> attest is a really dumb way of going about life as well, but uh, or at least one of the dumb things I've done. 
Um, but I did put a trail camera in this area for a long soak. I, the only thing I didn't do was set the freaking time and date. I was just like, eh, <laughs> I just want pictures. I want to know it's there. Well, then I got a lot of really nice photos, but I don't know anything. Well, no, I did set the date. I didn't set the year. That's what it was. I knew what day it was, but I don't know what time of day it is. But right. having hunted it, I then was able to notice that I saw deer only in the mornings. You know, yes. three, three, three or four sits in. Actually, this is like the fifth time I've hunted this this area. I've only seen deer in the mornings. And I think there are areas that you can key in on that are good. I've always heard people say it. Well, that's a good evening spot. That's a good morning spot. It starts mm-hmm. to make sense once you, once you find one of those areas and you start to kind of piece the, uh, you know, the puzzle together per se. Most definitely. Most definitely. There's a lot of times in this particular area we'll hunt specific spots in the mornings and then, you know, the deer kind of move out. And then as they, they kind of creep back in, in another area, you know, just kind of switch it up for the evenings is what we generally do. And, you know, usually see a lot more deer, you know, get up on top of them a little bit better. Do you, do you run cameras in this area, uh, outside of when you, uh, like the season per se? This area. Yeah. I usually have one, at least one camera running in a, in like a general hub area that usually majority of bucks in the area that I'll be hunting will kind of pass through at least sometime throughout the off season. I will have one running just about all year round just to kind of keep, keep up with deer movements and stuff like that. And then as it gets closer to the season I'll shift it around to like a, a food source that I can hop onto, you know, just kind of look at, see how daylight movement is in and around this food source for one of the first hunts and stuff like that has helped a lot. Do you, quite a bit. do you notice that these deer, Okay, let me ask this instead. Do you think that this is a morning spot that they use once hunting pressure occurs, or do you think this is a uh, a year-round morning staging area for these deer? I've done a lot of summertime sitting in this area, quite a bit of, uh, I mean, th- throughout the off-season, and it's pretty much the same all year round. It's just, and they seem to have food sources all throughout the year. You got Greenbrier with, you know, blackberries, you got grapevine in areas. There's just so many food sources. They really don't have to change much. And then acorns start dropping all around the oak hammocks. They're just kind of going back and forth between oak hammocks and then back to the bedding. And they just don't really have to go, you know, a long distance. But, yeah, I mean, these particular areas probably are safer. Nobody generally just goes walking out in the middle of briars unless they kill something have to go out there and get it. Yeah, yeah. They just feel safer away from the uh, human scent, even though if somebody's on the wood line, some of these places are several hundred yards wide. So, you know, you could be far enough away. They feel safe and just stay out there. But you catch them slipping in the lower (laughs) stuff. Yeah. So was was there a lot of acorns in your area? Because for me this year – uh, yeah, so see, for me this year, there are no acorns in any of the bottoms really? that I hunt, but they're still there, which tells me that there's more to this area than just, you know, the food source itself. It sounds like you have a bumper crop this year. Oh, yeah. Just uh, all day long. You're just sitting there raining acorns all day. Really? Yeah, especially every, every little every little time a squirrel jumps on a branch or the wind just kind of <laughs> breeze just hits a little bit, just pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Waiting I'm... for a deer to come running in. <laughs> That's cool. The see that's it's interesting. The area that I hunt, this little like little niche area uh, on the Panhandle, I have I've I found that acorns are kind of scarce in this area. Like I don't know if I've got a bunch of like defunct trees, but mm-hmm. dude, honestly, year in year out, this will be the third, maybe the fourth year I've hunted this area. Out of mm-hmm. those four years, only one year have there been acorns dropping. 
Um, really? Yeah, even the live oaks. I mean, it it seems like this area underproduces greatly, and I think it may contribute a bit to uh, how difficult it is to pattern deer in this area because yeah. my buddy sends me a photo the other day and says, this is the deer we're going after. The next day was the opening of the season. They jump it with dogs a mile away and kill it. Yeah. And so those yeah. deer are having to move a huge, huge swath. And it sounds like you found what Craig has called uh, in a previous episode, Craig Kroom, uh, a pocket of deer, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that pocket that holds them. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Because every time you see a group of does, you count them. It's pretty much the same group. And there'll be <clears throat> a couple of does, a couple of yearlings, and then maybe a couple uh, uh, one year, you know, two-year-old does or something like that but you'll have like your two older does usually one being the uh lead doe trying to think of the uh name for that but uh yeah it's usually pockets of deer and it's usually the same deer just about and you'll just have random bucks slipping through checking checking you know who's who's coming in heat who's (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean they they come through there and they're checking that bedding area you know it it makes sense Mm -hmm. i mean that's that is a tried and true tactic anywhere you go i think a lot of people in uh in in florida struggle to find those areas um Mm -hmm. so so let's talk about this what does a good buck in that area look like like if you were to tell me walter here's my stand here's where we're going and i say okay what am i what am i going in there as a minimum to shoot what what's cruising through that area for you it there it's it'd be easy to go in there and kill a legal buck so a two-year-old but you know you get two or three hunts you're bound to see at least one or two three maybe one or two three-year-olds cruise through whether or not you'll get a shot at them is a different story. You got to, you know, you got to pretty much be ready because if they hit an opening, you got to get on them and wait for the next opening or else they're gone. But, uh, but you know, you're talking uh, a good 50, 60 inch deer would right. be, would be uh pretty, pretty frequent. The, the big boys know they, they don't seem to just strangle on through there like, like the rest of them. But every once in a while you'll catch one being dumb, slipping in there after a doe to bed down with them or, 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 you know, was bedded with them, getting up to, to meander off with them. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 usually one or two a year, one or two good ones a year. And that's actually pretty much the same pocket, but just in a little, just a little bit around the corner where I shot the one during archery, the, the pretty good one that, uh, wasn't able to get, wasn't able to find this year. I got you. So it sounds like a little bit bigger than what I shot would be, would be, uh, kind of what's to be expected in that area so i mean honestly pretty good deer usually yeah Yeah. if if you're patient enough and you don't yeah exactly yeah something about like that that's which is a dang good deer for around here shoot yeah yeah i I mean mean, go ahead no so i was just saying when you sit there (laughs) you don't see a whole lot and you're you know it's it's it it could be tough to let those little six points walk but you know eventually one's going to come by you know they got all year. I had two shooters come two not actually shooters, two that I would have shot come by. Right. It's tough to watch them, but that's what it takes. You know, you shoot one of those and then not only your permits, you know, you're tagged out. That's, that's the thing I think a lot of people need to recognize is like, I had a couple of people reach out to me and I'm glad they, they, they reached out instead of like, you know, making a comment, but they were like, Hey, is that really a good deer for your area? Talking about my buck. And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, like, that's mm-hmm. first and last tag for me, you know. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm pulling the trigger on that animal first and last tag, and uh, I think people need to recognize that 50, 60 inches. 
mainly on public in Florida, with very rare exceptions, that you really ought to shoot that deer. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're not just gonna have them walking by all day long. I mean, <laughs> unless you're getting way back in some remote location that them deer just really don't have any idea what a human is there are areas that i know that you can get back in there and get on top of bucks like that and just let you can let them walk like it isn't nothing but there's a lot more involved to that but, um in this particular area yeah i mean you see, you got a 50 60 inch buck come by especially archer time it's going down more than likely if it's within <laughs> range and the camera's rolling i mean i'm not going to hesitate yeah yeah, not no, at all. For sure. You, 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 throw, you throw that camera on there, and then suddenly it's a totally different situation. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, you're, you're talking about a totally different uh, set, of, set of conditions and how you're going to you know, hold yourself to things. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, think, uh, I think a lot of people would be probably upset. Actually, a lot of people are upset because of how many people go to Georgia about the quality of deer here. But if you just frame it in context, you know, it's kind of – I kind of look at it as like a subspecies of deer. You know, it's, um, oh, it's, yeah, it's, sure. it's like shooting a keys deer or something. You just, you know, yeah, except legal. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what were, what were kind of the conditions that you were going? Let's kind of dive into the hunt because for me, uh, it, it was crappy, super crappy conditions. It was highs in the low eighties, lows in the low seventies, uh, very, very breezy. The deer were moving, um, very briefly in the morning and that was kind of like the extent of their movement whereas i think if it was colder i would actually kind of caught them coming through this area um i kind of came in behind these deer and were able to call them out of uh you know a bedding area that i think was not far from me what was what were the circumstances that you kind of faced going into that hunt man it's it was a lot of the same okay it was it was slightly breezy it was a little warmer yeah, I want to say it was fairly like pretty warm last. Uh, I'm trying to remember the dates, but yeah, it was it was very warm that particular weekend. They were not moving a whole lot in the middle of the day. It was mainly just a lot of morning movement that was pretty much had a lot to do with the moon. The moon just had, I mean, it, to me, it, coming from one weekend to the other, um, they they just they had it was a lot of morning movement and. Right at dusk, we were seeing some movement, but it was mainly it was mainly mornings, but just not a lot, not crazy. But the chasing did really pick up that last last eight or nine days. Um, not all these days you're able to hunt. I'm just going off of camera uh, and just from what everybody else was seeing. Um, from the end of one quota hunt to the you know to the next, the chasing really started to pick back up. I don't know if it's post rut or, or what I, or anyways. Um, Usually it's about post rut in that area, but I see we seemed to uh, there was a lot more deer going down than, than uh, the main rut. Uh, there was a lot more chasing being seen later this year than than earlier than, than you know as a normal rut time main rut times. So uh, I'm not sure if that was due to the weather, noon, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was pretty much the same conditions. Interesting. Yeah, I I mean it kind of to me to be honest with you that's kind of Florida in November. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not it, the cold fronts that everybody really looks to um, the, the the cold fronts that everybody's like, oh, well, I can't wait for X, Y and Z to come rolling through because then that's going to pick up X, Y and Z. It just doesn't mm-hmm. really happen. You kind of have to I don't want to see if to force it, but like you have to acknowledge that these deer are used to that heat and they're going to do their rutting thing. Otherwise, if you manage to get a cold front, it's kind of like icing on the cake. Right. Right. 
Yeah, and it goes along with these quota hunts. You, you don't choose the dates. The dates are chosen. You draw what you draw. You got to go make the best of that three days or four days or whatever it is. You know, it doesn't really matter. It could be crappy conditions, but you know they're gonna they're gonna get up and move eventually. You just got to figure out where they're moving. Sometimes you do. Some most of the time you don't. <laughs> <laughs> kind of tell everybody what happened. I mean, take it you know take it story time wise and and tell us a tale. Well, I guess I can. I guess I can start off. In this particular area, I had it has several hunts: a couple archery, a couple muzzleload, a couple gun hunts, and I, and uh, hunted it every single hunt, all the way back from the archery season. And I was pretty much hunting in and around the same area. Had a good encounter during archery on a really nice buck. I, I want to say a hundred inches or better, but the thing, I mean, it all happened so quick. He came in, and I only had a matter of seconds to pick up my bow, shoot, and you know he was gone no idea what happened he turned when the when the bow went off he kind of like tucked and rolled type deal not even sure where the arrow landed never did find the arrow found blood no deer searched and searched and searched i mean just put in a lot of footwork never did find it unfortunately um so i just kind of hunted in and around that same area just trying to get eyes and you know it just kills me when that happens I, i hate i hate it and uh just trying to get back on it, put up cameras to see if, you know, get pictures of them. Never did. And I really ain't a hundred percent sure which deer it is to be honest, because I never, I didn't have enough time to identify it. I just seen rack size and tines, you know, and sure it was it well beyond legal. So anyway, so I just, like I said, just kind of bounced around this area and, and just putting in time, just putting in time, man. And just trying to be in and just going off of uh, Intel from everybody else. You know, um, what seems to be hot, They're checking all these food sources that I, I normally see them keying in on certain times of year. They go from, you know, once that acorns drop, they're over here on these type of acorns and then then uh, seem to be hitting water oaks these last couple weekends pretty hard. Um, then they, you know, then they'll try to kind of transition over to grapevines, it seems like, uh, around this time of year, too. But um yeah, I just hit up this certain area that's always been good and uh, just put in several hours. And eventually, I think it was within the last 10 minutes of the very last day on the very last hunt. It paid off or since it's paid off, you know, it was about a 200 yard shot. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there aggravated and then uh, just thinking of uh, any kind of way to make something happen. I just I just pulled out. I pulled out my grunt and I pulled out my bleak can and I, I sat, I sat there hitting them back and forth. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I said, I'm either going to call something up or scare everything away. And I mean, I, and I look up and there's one standing about 200 yards and, uh, with his head down, I don't know if he was trailing. I don't know what he was doing, but I'm like, Oh, there's a doe, you know, I had a doe permit. I was like, ah, maybe I'll get me a doe. You know, I drop drop the gun on it and it pulls his head up and I'll be dang if it wasn't a good buck. So, I mean, it, you know, I'm not sure 100% if he was coming through the calls, but I'm just going to act like he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a lot better anyway. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I think if you bill it as in uh, I called him in versus I just kept making calls until something eventually showed up. I think that's a better title. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nick Chandler calls in uh, a big Florida buck versus Nick Chandler eventually had a deer walk past him while calling. <laughs> exactly exactly i didn't give him a t- the time of day to try to to uh figure out what he was doing exactly i mean he was about to be out of a shot window out there 
and uh, made it happen. I know, as you've seen in the polos, I was a lot. I, I, I was pretty much thinking he was a uh, a lot bigger than he was. But you know, sometimes them angles when it comes to them horns, man, on them Florida deer, they can fool you. They can oh, fool you big time. Yeah, just you know, he was 130, 129 pounds. Wasn't exactly a small deer, but uh, he was just giving me his his best angles, and I swear it was well over a hundred when I shot him. I'm thinking, oh man, that, you know, and, which don't get me wrong by no means i'm very happy for, for what he is you know I'm, I'm i'm glad you know i wouldn't i still wouldn't have hesitated for what he is i you know but uh that's pretty much it as far as that hunt goes it's it's um, funny you had ground shrinkage i had the opposite and i think to a certain extent it was because um what what are your restrictions on that piece of property if it doesn't give it away what were the re- restrictions for what was a legal buck um three on one side 10 inch main beam okay so mine was two on one side with a with a ten inch main beam, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so no, no, I think mine was three. I think you're right. I think it was three. Um, you said that was zone, right? It, it, yes, possibly. Okay, maybe. I don't know if that we're gonna cut this piece out or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because yeah, I, I posted, <laughs> I posted, I posted an Onyx screenshot, and somebody was like, "Dude, you know it's pretty easy to find if you know the area." So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, I guess I just forget. I, I seem to think we're just having a general conversation. Yeah, no, this. it's all good. That's what the uh, the mute button's for. But uh, <laughs> everybody's gonna hear it. zone blip. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making you work harder and edit it. My yeah, bad. yeah. I mean, if they wanted to work hard enough, they could, you know, three on one side, ten inch main beam. They can kind of do the math and figure it out. But yeah. anyways, um, yeah. you know, the whole time he had really nice main beams, and mm-hmm. you know, he's he's a great deer, first and last tag. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay this deer at all, but he he's he's coming in big big body on him. I bet you he was probably. 115, 120 pounds. I mean, he was, you know, good sized deer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I can hear our Ohio and Wisconsin listeners laughing right now. Cause that's the size <laughs> of like their yearlings. But, uh, <laughs> but I it, mean, that's a stud down here. Come on now. Yeah, no, I mean, again, first and last tag and I have five tags. Um, mm-hmm. but they're coming, uh, they're coming or so I grunted this deer comes, um, through. And as he's coming through the tree line, I'm desperately trying to get the knockers on him and get video. So, you know, I, I've got this little 16, no, it's a 12 by 60 millimeter, which is like a, a 24 by 120 equivalent. So I'm not going to get like zoomed in on his eyeballs. I zoom it all the way in. I've got it. I got it framed up and it, he's going to be in the frame for like four or five seconds. So mm-hmm. I'm, I've got knockers on him. And every time he'd pick his head up, he'd have something in front of him. And I couldn't see what his head was, but I would catch his main beams as he was walking. I'm like, God, he's got to be a big enough deer. Like he looks like he's big enough. And at one point at about, 70 yards he picks his head up and as he's walking i can kind of glimpse him through the trees and i'm like okay i'm fairly certain i see two on each side so this yeah. is what, so this is what we're going to do when he gets mm-hmm. into range you're going to man and when he turns and looks in your direction if you see brow tines hammer down right. and so like that was it so i didn't really know what he was because i was primarily concerned you know i mean obviously with filming it didn't pan out because i double tapped the freaking button the record mm-hmm. button but it was also mm-hmm. one of those things where it was like I was also really concerned with making sure he was legal. So there was always a part of me that was more concerned with, are there three on one side? That was kind of my baseline. So when mm-hmm. he's at 55 yards, I go, and he turns and looks at me. I saw one brow tine and that was mm-hmm. it. Cause he kind of, he was kind of quartering too. So he didn't really like look at me. He just kind of picked his head up. And at that point mm-hmm. it was all over with. So in the video I'm walking up I, and I tell everybody, I was like, I think it might be a seven point. Like you can hear me in the video trying to figure out what it was. And then when I got there, because my, 
my my baseline was, is it legal? He just got bigger and bigger the further I walked up, you know? Um, but that's, that's always a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like my gut said when he was out there a ways, like, I'm not trying to tell anybody here. Like I didn't do anything sketchy here. I knew he had three on one side, so I knew he was legal, but when he was out there, my immediate like thought was, that's a shooter deer just because you can't right. have that much mass up there. You know, odd, you know, odds are you're not going to have that much mass and then, you know, only be like a fork at horn. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but there was a, there was a small part of me that was like, as I'm climbing down, like, I really hope I didn't invent that third time, you know, like, I hope that wasn't yeah. a stick, you know? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. I got all this on video, you know, and, and I, it might, my, my conscience would have ate me up alive and I would have had to like self-report it. I guarantee you I would have self-reported it. And, uh, but it, I mean, it turned out, I mean, because I had such low expectations, I think that's the key to being happy in Florida. If you're always thinking it's borderline illegal in Florida, then mm-hmm. it's, if it's bigger then it's just icing on top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you see a 30, 40, 50 inch buck in Florida come running in, like he is the man, I mean, that's going to get anybody pumped up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I know it does. It makes you think twice about it anyway. It's like, man, you know what? But, uh, yeah, that's awesome though. I mean, it's crazy how that instinct just kind of kicks in, you know, once you realize it's legal, it's like, all right, you know, all, all attention off, you know, the, rarely does the situation happen to really get on top of a shooter, buck. you not, I say rarely, but it not near as often as it would in, in, you know, anywhere North of here of Florida, you don't really want to take any time, much less get worked up on it. You, you know, you realize it's legal. You're going to take it. That's it. You know, focus on everything else. <laughs> Especially hunting tight corners like that. There's so much to work through, especially self-filming, getting the cameras and everything set up and pointed and zoomed in, zoomed out, whatever. Well, and the the crappiest thing about it as a self-filmer was I did everything right to have it on film. Mm -hmm. I just double-tapped the freaking button, dude. And I was Mm -hmm. so, like, I was, and I know there's going to be somebody who listens to this and is like, dude, there's more to it than self-filming. Listen, here's the deal. I don't care how you hunt so long as you're taking ethical shots and enjoying it. And for me, mm-hmm. getting it on film is part of that enjoyment, right? Like exactly. I started this off to, to document. One of the reasons I started toting the camera was to document these adventures. Cause I have a damn good time doing it. And so for right. me, it's one of those situations where, um, getting it on camera was part of, it was a component of that hunt. Um, so there right. was, there was some disappointment there, but, uh, I have said right, you, you want to go be able to go back and relive that. Oh my God, know? dude. I, I mean, you tell me if, if you're, if, if I'm wrong here, but in the summertime, my favorite thing to do when it's 110 degrees with 200% humidity and it's only may is like, mm-hmm. is, is to go and hit a playlist, crack a cold beer or Coca Cola, if that's your preference and watch last year and relive it. Like that is, right. man, that's what it's all about is being able to go back oh, and, yeah. and see little details that you didn't realize. Exactly. Or maybe you forgot, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I still got hunts from from years ago. I got a hunt, my very first self-filmed hunt that I'll go back and watch just for the heck of it. Just it, it, it was the first buck I shot on film, you know, yeah. not only re, just to relive it, relive the excitement and everything else. I mean, it's just, it's some, that's exactly what you said. It's, it's just what we do it for. And it's just kind of upsetting to you, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a person, yeah. you know, as a self-filmer that you didn't catch it on film to be able to relive that. That's right. Yeah, but, for sure. How far did your buck go when you shot him? Not uh, maybe 10, 20 yards at the most. Oh, right on, right on. I love that. That yeah. 
that is uh, the one thing I didn't realize I missed about rifle hunting. Is, right. <laughs> is exactly. They don't go very far. Actually, I thought I missed my buck. Have I told you this story? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I, so if you did, I might have slipped my mind. But yeah. So I'm shooting a seven millimeter Remington Magnum, which cracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that is a loud gun. That's what I shoot. Yeah. Okay. So you know, and mm-hmm. so. Uh, my family on my mom's side of the family, uh, they tend to go deaf. So for me, <laughs> ear pro is really important, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like I, I need to have it. So I've got these, I've got these really nice, uh, like little headset around my neck. So all I have to do is pop it in. Well, I popped in my, my ear pro and he went behind some bushes and I had a little like panic attack. Like, Oh, I hope he's not going the opposite direction, which was stupid because he was coming <laughs> in on a dime. So I pulled yeah. him out so that I could listen to see if I could hear him walking. Well, I never put him back in. So, so I'm sitting there and the deer comes, he's like at 70 yards, 60 yards, 50 yards. And he's and he, and he kind of starts to broadside me. He's about to be get downwind. So I pull the trigger and, and it's, it's offhand behind me from the saddle. Mm-hmm. Deer drops like a sack of potatoes, gun kicks, but I didn't expect the gun to go off like as loud in my head. So like I flinched hard after the gun went off because I'm like, Oh God, yeah. like that, you know, you, you're not hearing him run off. And so like I turn yeah. and I'm looking, there's no deer. And like, I'm looking like, is he still standing there? So I rack another round. I'm like, oh my God, I missed this deer. Like, where did he go? Like, I'm looking in the horizon. <laughs> like, I'm looking for a tail flick. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm, dude, I'm, I went, oh my God, I just missed all of this. So mm-hmm. I put the rifle on the on the gun hook and then I start looking with the binoculars and I catch some white in the palmettos. The palmettos mm-hmm. were just high enough. I don't know what kind they are. Do you, you know that you know, I'm talking about the little swamp palmettos? They don't look like you're the stuff that's in the pine flats. The ones that are just real short. Yeah, they're real short and they're almost like rounded. They don't cut you like like the other palmettos do. Yeah, it's I like think I know what you're crab about. palmettos or something. They got a name. I don't yeah. know what they're called, but they were just tall enough that when he fell, he didn't move. Done. End of story. Right. Just dropped in his tracks. I see the white, and all of a sudden I start feeling like an idiot. I'm like, dude, you just shot a deer with a 150 grain projectile at 3,100 feet per second at 50 <laughs> yards. Like, <laughs> he's not going anywhere, you know. And and turned out I heart shot this deer. So I mean, he was, you know, dead on impact. But uh, really, yeah, so you heart shot him. Okay. Oh yeah, heart shot him. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, he literally, when I tell people this, he, when I say he dropped dead, he didn't twitch because when I got to the ground, you know how they do like the, sometimes they'll do like the leg kicking kind of situation as the, as the, you know, they wane onto the afterlife, they would kick up the pine straw. He literally just fell on his side and laid down. It was done. It was the most amazing, uh, like it is everything you wanted when it comes to an yeah. animal not suffering, you know, obviously exactly. started the season off shooting a deer and, and, and didn't recover it. This was like a really nice redemption to just have that deer stop and just be right. Dead. No suffering. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. That's exactly how you'd want it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So it, that's awesome. I'd, I'd forgotten that cause I hadn't shot a deer with a rifle since I was 16. So, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> really? no, I, I dude, I shot my first deer with a rifle and never picked up the rifle again. Gotcha. Yeah, it was in Georgia, right? It was in Georgia. It was in Southeast Georgia. It was a, uh, a five, actually, I got him on the wall right here behind me, little five point, and it's a little five point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is, the same thing for him. Almost, I, it was a thirty out six at, I don't know the actual figure, but I'd say like thirty yards, and I mm-hmm. pulled the trigger on him. He hit the ground, but he didn't drop dead. But he hit the ground, did a donut on the ground, and then made one jump. And he, and he disappeared into the palmettos. And I, again, cause I had this, cause I was an idiot. I was 16 at the time, invincible in your youth. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I shot the deer with a 30 out six carbine. The thing cracks. And so I can't hear anything and I'm straining and it's kind of drizzly rain. I'm like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, did, did you miss that deer? I've never, I never in my life envisioned this deer would hit the ground, get, get up and make a leap into the woods. Mm-hmm. Got down, walked to there. There's no blood. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm starting, oh. I'm starting to like come up. I'm coming unglued. Right. And, and now you gotta, let me, let me paint the picture here for just a second. I'm totally, t- I'm totally hijacking this part of the podcast and I apologize. No, go ahead. I'm 16. I've got Walmart sportsman boots, which have like this <laughs> like two inch lugged sole, right? Like no ankle ankle support. I've got these like Walmart back when Walmart made decent camo or sold decent camo. These like really nice insulated bibs because it's it's kind of cold. It was like 40 degrees and this cold front was coming through. So my dad got this. This is what I'm. It was coveralls is what it was actually. And so I'm walking up and I'm trying to like blood trail and I'm taking my time and there is no blood, but you can clearly see where this deer ran or jumped. And uh-huh. I walk down the path, no blood, start to have a, start to have a panic attack, double back. And then as mm-hmm. I'm doubling back, I see white in the bushes. That joker made one leap. He was heart shot as well. And oh. he jumped into the bushes. Dude, I set that gun down, ran sprinting. I set the gun down on the deer, sprinted back to the truck, which is like 400 yards away. Boy, let me tell you something. I was sucking wind when I got to that truck worse than I ever was in Colorado. That was the worst run of my entire life. It completely killed the adrenaline rush that I had going. I, <laughs> those big old boots, the sugar sand of Southeast Georgia and those coveralls, dude, I drove up to my daddy dang near in my boxers and my socks. I was so freaking hot. I was sweating up a storm and he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, give me a second. I got to breathe. <laughs> Cause he heard the shot. He knew, you know, like yeah. he was, he was coming to me. So, but uh, yeah, totally. That's awesome. Little little tangent there. I apologize. Oh no, man. Oh, that's that's <laughs> awesome. I like to hear deer stories, man. Well, I mean, it's that's a tale, awesome. right? That's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. So that's what is... awesome, though. I mean, that's how you want your first one to go down. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just weird that I just never did it again afterwards, and I don't think I got. It wasn't until I was older that I got swept up into like the the purest of of archery. Like I'm never going to shoot mm-hmm. a, a gun. I said this, and I'll just admit that I said it. I'm never shooting a deer with a gun again. You dumb mm-hmm. crack. That, not, that was yeah. stupid. That was, that was, I ate crow 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> around here, you don't, you just don't get enough opportunities. I even, I think you probably remember, I even said it this year that I, I was just so upset about how it happened earlier this season. I said, you know, I'm just going to stick to the bow. But, uh, yeah. Ended up just picking up the rifle anyways, and thankfully I did because, well, like I said, I mean, it, it happens. I, you know, it's one of those things where I got to where – so I shot my deer with the rifle, and then after that, the very next year, I started killing deer with uh, my bow. And let's face it, it, it's a different level of adrenaline rush when a deer's at 15 oh, yeah. yards and you shoot it with a bow. It's different. I'm not oh, saying yeah. it's better. I won't say that anymore, but it is different. And. Oh, yeah. For me, once I hit that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pursue this because this mm-hmm. adrenaline rush was different. It sate my, you know, it, I liked it. it. It just felt different. And I was killing like three to four deer a year with a boat mm-hmm. in Southeast Georgia. Then okay, I got yeah. here and it's a, it's a world more difficult. Largely, mm-hmm. largely come gun season, you can't shoot a doe. Right. Or, you know, so, you know, you're, you're hunting something that you're hoping you know, during the rut is moving on with, that's got a huge range where you got a bunch more people on a far more condensed, uh, area of ground. So there mm-hmm. it's already hard enough with, right. you know, deer hunting and why making it harder by trying to get them within 30 yards. I don't know. 
it just it it seemed knuckleheaded to me. If if you like it, I'm not judging you either. But I went mm-hmm. four or five years struggling with it, and I don't I don't I don't regret picking up the rifle once. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I mean I don't I don't blame you at all. Yeah, don't blame you. So what so what's the rest of the year got for you? What's what's what, what can everybody expect from Heart of Florida's outdoors? <laughs> oh man, um, Hofa. Hofo, Hofo, that's right, Hofo. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as uh, that was my last quota that I had in the books. Um, I'm going to try to get out and and maybe do a little bit of traveling up there to maybe do some hunts. Um, uh, depends on what we draw and and can and can actually make happen before the season's over with. Uh, that might be the last. I mean, a lot of the areas around here. Usually, you know, the dog hunters are uh, they're running dogs so heavy that uh, it's kind of hard to get on top of anything. It's, you know, I've done it a lot over the years. It's just more like I'm just, if I could find some other areas to get into, maybe. Um, thought about going in from the river, some I don't know, mm-hmm. looking into some of that, but I really don't know. It just depends on how. I mean, I'd, I'd like to get up there. To, in uh, some of the areas up there, once they start getting to kicking, but Boy, you, just you're making my editing it. difficult, ain't you? Oh man! <laughs> like I said, I, I keep on forgetting about it. But, uh, hey, it's hey, big deal, man. <laughs> um, okay, I'd like to get up there to North Florida. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like yeah. to get up there to North Florida and do a little bit of you know, because I know the, how the rut usually tends to be a lot. Oh yeah, later than ours, so it, it just depends on what we can make happen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, once I get some time, I got a lot of stuff to edit and put up on the channel and the YouTube channel and stuff. Other than that, man, I, I really don't know. It's going to be fishing season before too long. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to catch up with you quick. I, I think, uh, I keep putting in for the leftover tags, but I'm, I, I'm hoping you get one because I would love nothing more than, uh, you know, you and I've talked and, you know, based on how my season lays out, I may not even get to hunt some of the areas that you're wanting to up here, but I got trail cameras running and if you get drawn, dude, my intel is your intel. You let me know when you're coming and, uh, awesome. you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we have to, to get you on some deer. And honestly, for that matter, during the time you're talking about being up here, I will be off. I just probably won't be, you know, necessarily hunting when you are. So if you kill a big mm-hmm. and you want some good B roll and, and, and some help dragging it out, I can probably twist my old lady's arm enough to let me come out there and uh and, and help you with that all right man i yeah, appreciate man. it yeah sounds sounds like a plan but yeah yeah hopefully you usually draw at least one a year but the way this year's been going we'll see i haven't drawn anything yet but maybe that'll be the one yeah well i think hopefully i think so. what hurts is people people go on podcasts and just name drop places and then you know everybody <laughs> starts putting in for them <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not sure who that is yeah i mean those those jerks gosh you yeah, know yeah, exactly. yeah. glad we're not doing that <laughs> <laughs> yes sir i mean you got anything else going on this year i mean other than uh I think you're going up north a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, dude. I mean, I've got a... So, I, I bought a Georgia Tech this year, so I'll be hunting um, Georgia. My season ends, I think, on like the 10th or the 15th this year, so of January. Um, so, I, I'm probably going to be putting in a fair amount of time up there. I've got a quota hunt coming up that I'm really excited about that uh, uh, somebody has, has invested in me and given me some more... Uh, some more, you know, kind of gentle nudges in the right direction, which whenever somebody is willing to do that, it's always awesome to me. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, it's, it's one of those things where you spend $325 on a Georgia tag. You kind of want to get your money's worth out of it. And Mm -hmm. with the late season here, you know, the best hunting here ending after the best hunting is up there, it's kind of hard to pry yourself away from it, especially when you put, you know, preference points into quota hunts and then you get drawn for them. You know, I had every intention of hunting up here, a lot of the same places you are, and I probably will. It'll just be after, you know, that Georgia season ends because realistically the quality of deer changes and it's either sex in Georgia because they have a stable population. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's a target rich environment it's expensive. I keep going back to that. I still can't believe I spent $325 on it, but, <laughs> um, you know, they're loaded with deer. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I well, told, I told Chase, he needs to have a daggum Georgia license next year because a yeah. lot of these places, here's the other thing I'm going to be honest with you. There is so much less hunting pressure in Georgia than there is in Florida. I don't care what anybody says. And I think it's because it's like a perceived pressure kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times down here, the places that are still hunt are either quota or they're weekend only, or it's a sliver of still hunting land. And as mm-hmm. a result, everybody pours into those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Georgia, I mean, yeah, they have their quota hunts, but they've got huge swaths of land that you can hunt any day of the friggin' week if you want to. Right. Just open public. Yeah. Public area. Yeah. And, and right. as, and as a result, you, 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 you can kind of. Everybody, this is my biggest complaint of people up here is if you give every, if you give all the still hunters only Friday through Sunday to hunt and you give them a small piece of property, what do you expect is going to happen as a result? I mean, right. It's not going to be productive. Right. So, you know, exactly. I just kind of find myself gravitating further and further away from the area. But for you looking to extend your season, I mean, Mm -hmm. places you're talking about hunting are loaded with nice deer. Right. When we get off the phone, I'll send you some really nice photos. (laughs) <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I got some really nice eight points. And uh, yeah. did I send you the videos that I pulled off that trail camera the other day? I don't think so, man. I got a ten on camera. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'll drop Heck you yeah, man. So, well, dude, nice. I appreciate you coming on, bantering with yeah, me man. here a little bit. It's always a good time, and you know, hopefully, we can share a deer camp here soon, or turkey camp, or something. We'll we'll make something happen at, at yeah, the bare man. minimum. Uh, Shoot, yeah, man. But where, well, where can everybody? You. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where can everybody go to find you? Um, on uh, YouTube is Heart Heart of Florida H A R T, and uh, same on Instagram Heart of Florida Outdoors. Right on, man. And uh, Nick Chandler on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. And and guys, if uh, you got a spot that you want to give him to uh, hunt late season, I think he'd be open to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> down to, to figuring some new areas out. <laughs> all right, but, buddy. Uh, all right, man. Once again, I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely.